welcome to the Nerd Party. It's not working. How long since you've cleaned the heads? The what? The heads. Do you have any alcohol? To drink? What? No, no, to clean it. Check the tracking. The rental place closes in two hours. Shut up, shut up. It's working. Time for a retro perspective. Hello and welcome to Retro Perspective, the nerd party show where we look at all of the movies released 25 years ago this week. I'm Mike. I am John. And today we're taking a look at the movies released on April 8th, 1994. And there weren't very many. No, there was one. Only one. Yes, it came in at number seven at the box office, making $4 million, and that movie is Threesome. This movie has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Generous. And uh, yeah, it's the only movie that came out, so it was the movie that both of us watched. And uh, hey, if you at least are in America and... Uh, you um, have Amazon Prime. You can watch it on there. So, yes. You know, Available on Amazon Prime here in these United States of America. And boy, boy, I'm glad that it was available on Prime. And uh, I, I can really tell you I'm very glad it was available on Prime. But uh, first, as a synopsis, this is... Yet another entry in the Gen X slacker genre, Mm -hmm. dealing with college-aged people, uh, in this case actually in college. Reality Bites earlier in the year had to do with people who had just left college, and this one has to do with people who are in college, and it is a tale of two guys and a girl, no pizza place, but they're living in a suite in the dorm, in a co-ed dorm, and because her first name is Alex... Uh, she gets mistaken for a male in the system and gets placed in the suite with these two gentlemen. And uh, gentlemen they are. And uh, hijinks ensue, as you like to say, Mike. And this is a pastiche of scenes with three sexually active and curious young people in a college setting What could possibly not be there to love? Right, Mike? Yeah. Um, This movie, it stars Josh Charles, who you may know from Sports Night, and Stephen Baldwin, who you may know from The Usual Suspects, and Lara Flynn Boyle, who you may know from, well, I guess Twin Peaks, but also The Practice. Yeah, but really Twin Peaks, let's all be honest. (laughs) I knew her from the practice. So, uh, yeah, and it was directed by Andrew Fleming, who has done a lot of things here and there, probably most noteworthy. uh, I think the movie that he made right after this was the cult classic The Craft, uh, which uh, has a, a pretty big following. Um, but he's also made a number of movies like Dick, which, uh, you know, very, uh, very well loved. Uh, he did Hamlet 2, which was not a good movie. And <laughs> he's directed a lot of uh, TV stuff like Arrested Development and uh, the um, the New Girl 
and things like that. So lots of uh, lots of stuff. I, I can honestly say this is the only movie that he's directed that I have seen. I have not seen The Craft, which I think came out two years after this. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen The Craft either. I, I have seen Hamlet too. I did not like it. He also directed the In-Laws remake oh. with uh, Michael Douglas and Albert Brooks. I did see that. It wasn't that was, bad. Mm. Really? I heard. I didn't hear a lot of good things about that. I mean, I'm not you know running out to watch it again. I mean, you know, I saw it 16 years ago, and that's you know probably about a decent amount of time in between viewings. But you know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So th- this was your first time seeing Threesome as well, right? Yes, it was. Although I remember the poster and everything. I remember always wanting to see it because, you know, Lara Flynn Boyle, she's the best, you know. I loved her from the practice. And there's this movie uh, which came out called Afterglow uh, right around this time, a couple of years later. I loved her in that. So I've always been a big Lara Flynn Boyle fan. I remember seeing her, besides Twin Peaks, seeing her in Mobsters. That was the one about Lucky Luciano, right? I'm not sure. I don't think I've yeah, seen that one. I'm pretty sure it was called Mobsters. I saw that in the movie theater and just remember it because it was almost it was like trying to young guns up uh like old mobsters instead of the old west. So that's what you know, they had like the hip fresh cast, but set at the right time period and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was called Mobsters. I think it was before this that it came out because uh Laura Flynn Boyle after Twin Peaks she was the one she was really trying to make inroads to make it into a film career yeah um and so like she was always the one that for you know a, a decent amount of time you were seeing her on the posters and stuff she was able to parlay twin peaks into something of a uh you know a post television career uh for a bit at least mm-hmm. um and I, mobsters wasn't great it was okay I remember seeing it with my brother, but uh, yeah. So this is this is my first time coming at this, and I got to tell you, I, again, even though I was uh, of the right age for this to be demographically targeted at my wallet to go see, I can honestly say that I don't know that I'm the right person to watch these movies. I don't know if it's that I'm coming at them too late in life or something, but I got to know, what was your experience watching Threesome like? Um, Well, I think I definitely liked it more than you. I I wasn't blown away by it by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I thought it was decent. I I liked how sort of weird it was. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it did some stuff that I wasn't necessarily expecting a movie in this time period to do. Um, so, you know, that was kind of cool. Uh, I thought the cast was good. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it was, it was a weird movie. So I, I give it props for that. Um, I, I think that it had some issues and I think that it becomes rather formulaic, uh, towards the end, but on the whole, I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah, we did have different reactions because uh, I I suspect that you at least took a peek at my star rating, if not the full review. But I te- I basically came down on this with the hammer because the I found the characters annoying. I found the situations 
too self-aware. Like I, I've, I'm sure I've told you this story a number of times about the two guys, because uh, I, I was a theater major in college, and there were two guys. And one of the guys, Bruce, was completely, you know, he had like the, the long fingernails filed down. He had, uh, you know, long hair, metal fan, everything like that. And Bruce was authentic. Bruce was a straight shooter. You knew Bruce was the real deal. And then there was another guy, and I forget his name, probably best that I do, but every week he would show up with a different shtick. One week he showed up, he was wearing a bathrobe and slippers in every class. And another week he was dressed to the nines. And another week, and he would float through the, you know, he's sort of like Buck in uh, Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. right? And this movie is that guy. It's way too self-aware. And it is, it is something where what it was trying to, I do get what it was trying to do. But I think that it is really... Like, I, I'm curious as to why I'm being so harsh on it as opposed to you enjoying it. Because, you know, you know that these these crossover points always fascinate me, right? Yeah. What, what, when we react differently to things, uh, markedly different, especially. But, like, what is it that I'm missing? What, what is the, the connective tissue? Is there, did I come into this with a chip on my shoulder? Do you think that this is a problem of attitude? I mean, I don't necessarily know that it's a problem. Um, you may be jaded. You may be predisposed to not like these types of movies, and that's okay. You know, I think maybe I'm predisposed to like these types of movies. Maybe just because I don't know. Uh, maybe we just kind of fall slightly on opposite sides of like the characters ages in these movies. I mean, I guess not really with this one, but just the idea of like, Oh, these were the people that I was looking up to. Whereas, you know, for you, maybe they were the people who, you know, were, you know, just I was slightly younger than you, who you found oh, no. to be annoying, you know, not, not in this case, but you know, generally no, speaking, the- the the characters in this and and in reality bites too are about the same age if not a year or two older in terms of my trajectory yeah right, right? yeah because, they would be older than you yeah for sure right but but only be- very slightly i would have been hanging out with these people so maybe that's what it is you know it's i i'm i'm totally willing to accept that because uh you know is it is it triggering some sort of deep seated thing inside of me is entirely possible but I mean, there were, there were so many things about this, like the narration drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. I thought that the narration was not only unnecessary, but it, it was, it, it just wasn't done right. Like it, it was, you, you know, cause there's that scene where he's sitting there in his film class thinking, and then the narration is basically, I was sitting there in my film class thinking. Yeah. And it, it um, well, Yes. Film is a visual medium. You already communicated that to me. You know, that that sort of thing. I think that that might be one of the things that really got under my skin about it. I, I just I just found it so aware of what it was trying to do that the the mannerisms of the characters were exaggerated like i you know seinfeld is of this thing you know around the same time you know exaggerated absurd 
behavior of the characters. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in Seinfeld, I, I guess maybe it works because it's in a sitcom setting, whereas in this I'm supposed to buy it as reality. And I see these people behaving this way. And, you know, it's it's not like Animal House. Animal House freely admits this is caricature. These people couldn't really exist in life. This is not a real situation. Whereas this is trying to sell this as this is reality and this could have happened. I think that might be the the breaking point for me. You know, it's interesting that you talk about the narration and finding it annoying because, I mean, I guess I didn't really find it annoying. I mean, maybe it was a little weak, but um, one of the weird things is that, um, you know, I watched the trailer for this and the trailer has the narration in it, but they have what sounds like someone else doing the narration. Like they're talking, it's not, it's not like Mm. Miramax films presents. It's not that it's, you know, those few weeks at college were the strangest of my life. You know, it's almost like the same dialogue or, or like just modified versions of the dialogue that you hear in the movie, but it's said by someone else. I don't know why. If it's Miramax, do you think that it's possible that they heard the narration and they said, this isn't good narration, and so they had somebody come in and re-record it for the trailer? I, I could see, um, it's not Miramax for whatever it's worth. I, I mean, I, I said Miramax, no. but it's not Miramax. It's a right. TriStar or whatever, but not that that matters. But um, regardless of any of that, um, I, I kind of feel like the the reason for the the re-recording it is because they maybe wanted uh something which fit a little bit better with you know a two and a half minute clip like oh uh you know there's he's saying almost what we want to say but we want to word it slightly differently for marketing purposes so so here's the question yeah if that's the case for marketing purposes and you feel that this is going to sell and connect better why not take another pass at it and rewrite it and re-record it? That takes a day. Or bring can, in the, the actor to come in and... Do no, the, you, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, did you ever... <laughs> did you ever see the TV edit of Mallrats? No, I don't think that I did. I think I heard him talk about it on a commentary... But no, I used to have a copy of it because I I recorded it off of TV. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's like, you know, those classic, you know, TV edits where, you know, you look at Mallrats and you're like, how could they ever air this on TV? You know, right. Like, I mean, they do things which are the one that I always remember is like at the end of the the movie when uh, they play the video of uh, Ben Affleck and uh, the, the woman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's obviously not appropriate for television or whatever. So what they do is they re-replace that video with what's clearly, like, the end of the take. And, like, the two actors are just, like, laughing. Like, you know, oh, oh wow, that was funny. That What happened in that take, you know? Like, clearly, yeah. like, looking at, like, crew members off camera or whatever. And like, I think you can even hear like people off camera laughing and it's like, uh, okay, all right, well, we'll just show this random outtake then I guess instead. Um, but the, the, the funny thing about it was all of 
Jason Mewes' dialogue is dubbed by someone else who Mm -hmm. doesn't sound at all like Jason Mewes. And I mean, as is, like, they had to redub it all, so it gets pretty creative in that regard. But then you're like, how come this guy doesn't sound at all like Jason Mewes? What's going on? And the reason was because Jason Mewes, like, never showed up to the recording session. So they just were like, whatever, we need to get this done. Come on, Joe, let's do this. This sounds exactly like uh, I saw Die Hard 2 on television one time. Yeah. And... It, I mean, that, you know, that of the three, it's actually got the most foul language, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And there are so there were so many moments where it sounded like not just the wrong guy for Bruce Willis, but it sounded like the same guy overdubbed every male character through the entire thing. Yeah. and just tried to do just as close an approximation as you can do for for these sorts of things. And it's hysterically funny because it's it's as bad at points uh as the uh, as you know the dubs in like the hong kong flicks that you would watch on uhf stations when you were growing you know channel 50 on saturday afternoon you know so you can't talk that way to teacher that sort of stuff yeah like going on so yeah well that's yeah. that's like the classic you know i probably it's the original not the diehard to, i'm not sure but you know yippee kaye mr falcon right that's become the stuff of legend yeah (laughs) yeah you you know what's a really interesting one not to digress on tv edits but whatever it is what it is oh no i rather would (laughs) um have you ever seen repo man no i've never seen that oh you never seen the movie at all i've never seen it at all oh i think you get a kick out of repo man for one thing it's eternally on my list of things to check out yeah But the uh, one of the things about that movie is it's like very intentionally generic. So like, like for example, like he he comes home and his mom is like, "Why don't you make some food for yourself?" And he's like, "Okay." And like he goes into the cabinet and he pulls out like a like a can of food and it's just got like a white label on it with like black text that says food you know like things like that (laughs) Uh you know like there's this one very famous scene in the movie where these like this like gang who's like you know constantly sort of like a threat like they get basically put in their place and the leader of the gang is like you know basically realizing that it's time to get out of there before you know something bad happens to them and he's like come on let's let's get out of here let's go do some crimes you know, like things like that, you know? So for the for the uh, TV edit, you know, they had to like take out like all of the profanity. So you get things like flip you and melon farmer and things like that. And the director, Alex Cox, has actually said like, I kind of like that, you know, because it makes it even more generic. Yeah, so, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting edit. I used to have that one too. It was weird. They showed it on like the speed channel, like the auto racing channel. They had really? like a like a late night like movie thing for, from like Ghosts of the Drive In or something. And they had <laughs> so weird. It was the nineties, whatever. They had like Bruce Dern would like 
like he was basically the Sven Gulli for the series, you know? Sweet. And he would like be like sitting in like an old like sports car in like an empty drive in. And he'd be like, you know, the cars of the 50s and just like start like spouting out this weird, you know, monologues <laughs> about cars and drive throughs and drive ins, whatever, and how, how they're all magical and stuff. Very strange. Anyway. You know, and the thing is, you, you mentioned Sven Gulli and, and, you know, the setup for stuff like that. That is something that I think is really missing. I mean, you know, that's part of the death of TV, like true TV culture is stuff like that was so great. It was so fantastic. Like, I, you know, it was a it was a dream come true a couple of years ago when I finally met um, uh, Count Gore Duvall in uh, he's, he's a local D.C. area legend. And before I left that area. I was able to go see a uh, showing of Phantasm that he hosted mm. at the AFI Theater. Oh, wow. And he hosted it the way that he hosted his show, which was mocking. And he showed clips from like the old TV days and stuff like that. And man, if anybody wants to, uh, if you have you ever heard of this documentary? It's called Every Other Day is Halloween. Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar, but it's a great documentary. It's made with a lot more love than polish. Mm-hmm. Um, but Count Gore is on there, and you know you sort of find out this history of why these sorts of late night TV host things came about in the days of UHF is because they were just desperate for programming. Yeah. You know, and you think of like how much programming we have now. Mm -hmm. And back then they were scrambling for what are, what are we going to air on a Saturday night? And you can't even think of a time where there isn't just constant bombardment of content now. But back then it was like, I I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. Somebody dress up like a vampire and host horror movies (laughs) sold, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Sven Gulli is like one of those guys who's kind of like crossed over. I mean, like, you know who Sven mm-hmm. Gulli is, you know? Oh, yeah. But he's absolutely. from, you know, Berwyn, which is, you know, literally within walking distance of, of my my house, you know? So it, it's, it's weird that Chicago has, you know, I mean, you know about the Cleveland guy, right? Goulardi? Goulardi. The name is familiar. I don't. I can't recall an image of him. It's familiar because maybe because it's the name of Paul Thomas Anderson's production company, like Goulardi oh, really? Films or whatever. Oh, okay. And and the <laughs> reason for that is because Goulardi is Ernie Anderson, who's a yeah Paul Thomas Anderson's dad. That's who was the voice pretty... of the Love Boat and stuff like that. But he was he was the Cleveland guy. There's I like there's books written about him and stuff. You know. That's uh, I'm, he probably appears in the documentary then because the the documentary talks with like everybody who was any sort of you know somebody in the last you know twenty thirty years of that that gig, and it just you know, well, think th- think of think of how rich a topic that talking about these voiceovers and late night TV hosts from the past and everything, and how much more enjoyable it is than the movie Threesome released in 1994 perhaps i mean i i I would say hey go watch threesome because it's kind of weird and you know why not what else are you gonna do so i I would recommend threesome i can say with all honesty that i saw another movie that was free on amazon prime similar runtime 
very difficult to get through. It took a couple of viewings to get through, but I recently saw Hercules in New York, Arnold mm. Schwarzenegger's yeah. uh, opus, back when he was Arnold Strong. Right. And um, I would rather watch Hercules in New York again because it's lovably bad, whereas I think Threesome is just misses the mark. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen Hercules in New York. I've seen clips from it, but I have to say I, I think I'd go with Threesome myself uh, from what I've seen. So that's just me. But whatever. Yeah. Well, it's a, both are on Amazon Prime. Treat yourself to a double feature. Watch in any order that you prefer Hercules in New York and Threesome and tell us which movie you would rather revisit. And, uh, you know... Um, Mike, where can people reach out to you online to let you know how their double feature of uh, Hercules and Threesome goes? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And you can also find me uh, doing a show on Trek.fm called Tracks from the Edge. And you can find me on uh, my own website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage. Where can yeah. people find you, John? Well, right now you can find me uh, over on KesselJunkie.com, blogging away. Uh, and you can find Kessel Junkie over on Letterboxd and Goodreads uh, for full, fleshed-out reviews of movies like Threesome. And you can find me right here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast that uh, really likes to dig deep into that galaxy far, far away. And I co-host that with uh, Matthew Rushing, and that, uh, that comes out new and fresh every Tuesday. Yeah, and you know, this week we only had the one movie to choose from, and that happens like one or two more times throughout the year. But next week, boy, we sure are making up for uh, the, the <laughs> lack of of uh, content this week. Next yes. week we've got 10 movies that were released, including Naked in New York, Serial Mom, Living Buddha, 32 short films about Glenn Gould, Two Small Bodies, In Custody, Backbeat, White Fang 2, Myth of the White Wolf, Surviving the Game, and Cops and Robertsons. I'm going to give you a guess as to which one of those I have already seen. I'm going to say Cops and Robertsons. Incorrect. No, Serial Mom. Incorrect. I, I can't imagine you don't know me this well. Surviving the game, my friend. Okay, I guess that would that would be up there too. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's your number one pick. You see a movie like that. Has he seen it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm 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 I, I still don't know what, what I'm gonna watch next week. Because honestly, like just looking at the list, like if it were this week and last week, and there were 11 movies, the movie I'd probably go with would be Threesome. So mm. take that as you will. Hmm. But mm. we'll figure that out. If you want to pick movies, you know, go on to YouTube and uh, type in Retro Perspective in the search field, and uh, the, the playlist for every week should come up. I didn't make a playlist for last week because it's only one trailer. Just threesome, you know, just type in right. threesome trailer. But uh, yeah, you can take a look at all of the trailers for next week in one nice handy playlist. And yeah, you can decide for yourself what to watch and then 
be all ready for our discussion next week. Yes. Woohoo. But watch surviving the game. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Okay. That's tongue in cheek. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Watch the trailers. All right. All right. Well, until next week, be kind, rewind. Thank you.